It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome to another edition of the IDP Corner. My name is Justin Varnes. You can follow me on Twitter at DownWithIDP. I'm one of two IDP analysts over at FantasyPoints.com. And uh, with me is our other IDP analyst, Mr. Thomas Simons. How are you doing tonight, Thomas? I'm doing great, my friend. I'm doing great. Just got done watching that Cleveland-Pittsburgh game. How about you? Yeah, uh, same. It was a good game. We had some injuries, uh, so we'll just kind of dive in with, with a little bit of that of what we saw. So uh, if you didn't see the game, both you know, basically right after Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa uh, got pulled from the game with the, with a quad injury, uh, we had um, veteran uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony Walker. Walker Jr. get hurt. Uh, he, he got carted off with a leg injury. We don't have – the, any other details other than they're both calling, of them? They're calling it a knee injury. Now, yeah. they had a brace on his leg, so the fact that he, they put a brace on it and the fact that they carted him off, that's not good. Yeah, so what we did see, you know, I, I hate this this part of what we do, but these guys are injured and immediately we have to start looking at who their replacements are. Um, now, granted, both of these guys could start next week. We have no idea, but... Um, the, the guy you want to keep your eye on is a guy who's already been working in, and that's Jacob Phillips. I noticed that Jacob Phillips was wearing the green dot after those two went down. So, um, we're going to watch Walker and, and JOK's injury reports coming over here over the next uh, week or so. But Jacob Phillips is someone to keep an eye on if you have those two and you're looking for a backup slash replacement, uh, once we get more info, uh, Thomas, what else did you see in terms of the game that struck you? Well, uh, first of all, to stay on that Cleveland side, uh, CNA Takitaki is going to be the other guy, the other linebacker that the Browns will rely on if uh, JOK is not available next week. Now, on the Steelers side, uh, I was really, really surprised at how disheveled that defense looked in the first half, and then deeper into the second half, Cleveland's up-tempo offense just basically ate the middle of that defense alive. They exposed poor coverage by the linebackers in the first half and then just pounded the ball with their two-headed running backs at chunks and chunks of yardage. Now, this is this does not bode well for Pittsburgh moving down the road because people see the blueprint that the, the Browns have laid out here. And if you keep the, the game up-tempo and don't allow them a lot of um, changing of the personnel – the Steelers can be vulnerable on defense and their linebackers did not look that good. I, you know, I noticed a lot in particular is that most of these linebackers were setting five, six yards off the line of scrimmage and they weren't making contact with these running backs until five, six yards off the line of scrimmage. They were not getting any tackles for losses and everything was big chunks. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and, the Steelers were the worst run defense in the league last year. 
which was great for your IDP <laughs> uh, tackle numbers, uh, but really not good for for their overall defense. So uh, the fact that they're still having trouble with their their run defense three games in here uh, might mean you know Miles Jack and, uh, and Mika Fitzpatrick, some Terrell Edmonds. These guys could continue to rack up tackles if these if the Steelers are going to be stuck on the field for for a long time, which it, it so far is looking like they were not they able to plug. Them. Yeah, they're not able to plug their run defense. So uh, that's a good thing for us when it comes to uh, to fantasy production. Okay, uh, out with the old, in with the new. We're going to turn our attention to the rest of the week three matchups. Um, we're going to pick a few things that that are um, are of interest to us that we saw in week two that we're going to be having our eye on going into week three. Again, we're probably still a week or two away from gathering enough useful concrete information to uh, start, um, you know, using the 2022 data that's reliable enough to start predicting at a higher level. But that's coming right down the road. Right now, a lot of what we're doing is we're still focusing on roles and patterns that we're seeing that we think might be either that we see them as things that are solidified that we should be confident going forward on, or there are things still up in the air. So we'll, we'll get into those. Uh, Thomas, I, I know you have one you want to start us off with. Yeah. I mean, the last time we had our, our last podcast, we talked about Arizona's linebackers and in particular Isaiah Simmons. And this week we kept a real good sharp eye on Simmons and he only took 29% of the snaps. And consequently he only had two uh, solos and he did have a forced fumble, which was a big play. But um, when you're trying to rely on him as a linebacker one or even a linebacker two, 29% of the snaps is horrible. Now we had been keeping an eye on Dennis Gardeck because we, he, he started the season off with a bang, but then last this past week he had just 49% of the snaps and he only totaled four total tackles, two solos and two assists. Now, while this was all going on, Nick Vigil took 39% of the snaps and he outproduced both of them. He had five total tackles with three solos, two assists, a tackle for a loss. Now, these numbers are not huge, but it's an uptick for Vigil. And it was something that we mentioned last week that this could could begin happening moving forward, that Vigil could see more snaps and could cut into Simmons and Gardeck's time. I want to talk a little about Marcus Williams. Uh, he's had two really good uh, uh, and productive uh, ba- games, back-to-back games. Um, so he's clearly a great player. He's clearly benefited from uh, you know his his usage there in Baltimore. They brought him over uh, as a free agent, and, and uh, they really like what he can do, and we really like what he can do. But he has had two great opportunities in front of him. He's had cor- a quarterbacks. Uh, who have thrown the ball deep a lot or 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 basically sent receivers deep to him a lot. They're getting deep into the secondary, both of these games. Um, in particular, last game, remember, this is Baltimore going up against Miami, the the most firepower in the league last. Like you, know, you see all these, you see Tyreek Hill and then Jalen Waddle gaining these huge yards and having these huge, mass, massive uh, games. Well, Who's at the back end of the defense to catch all that? That's Marcus Williams. So he's going to put up a ton of tackles. Uh, matter of fact, the entire secondary for Baltimore put up a ton of tackles. Of the 60 tackles that Baltimore's defense racked up, 40 of them were by defensive backs. So it tells us a couple of things. One, as, as great a start to the season as Marcus Williams has had, 
I need to see a few more games. I need to see him go up against some teams that are not, uh, uh, you know, basically um, getting down the field as much because a lot of teams don't do that or can't do that. So, um, and also he's just not going to get an interception or multiple interceptions every single week. So I do like Marcus Williams. I'm not ready to anoint him as a top 10 DB for the season just yet. The other thing this impacts is Patrick Queen. I wanted to point out that Queen last year had trouble staying on the field for 100% of the snaps. Well, he Toward the end of last season, he did turn into an every down player. And so far, two weeks in, Queen has played every snap. So we have an every down linebacker in Baltimore. Now, now he only had five tackles. But remember, in the, it, it, how this game went, it was so pass heavy and so secondary heavy that the fact that he had five tackles and played every snap for me, that bodes well for him being a, a solid LB, maybe back end LB two. I think by the end of the season, uh, we just love the fact that he's actually playing every snap. Not an LB one, but uh, he definitely has a higher floor, maybe more stability than he had last year, which we like to see. I'm going to move over to Denver on this one. And last podcast, we mentioned the fact that Justin Simmons landed on injured reserve and that Simmons was going to be out at least a month and that his replacement was Caden Stearns and that Stearns had veteran experience and might be somebody to keep an eye on. Well, Stearns performed very well after he started as the safety and he he tied for the team lead with six total tackles. He had five solos and an assist. And more importantly, he took all the, the 63 defensive snaps for the Broncos. Now, this is something that you want to keep an eye on because it, this could be something that is consistent on uh, week in and week out. And he's worth writing until Simmons comes off of uh, or returns from injured reserve, which will be in at least another three weeks. So if you had any Buffalo Bills IDP or you had any um, Tennessee Titans IDP, uh, you just have to ignore what happened last week. They, they, they all had slow production, and that's because all of the starters in that game took the fourth quarter off because Buffalo was just handing it to Tennessee. Blown out. Yeah, so I mean, so the top starters were, you know, were were getting, you know, seventy five percent of the snaps tops. You know, Buffalo starters ended up playing about thirty five to forty snaps, which is, you know, uh, not enough to, yeah, yeah, well below average. So, I mean, we're talking if the average is about sixty five snaps. I mean, we're we're talking. Uh, you know, somewhere, you know, let's say 60% of what they could have played, um, uh, and which is which is uh, definitely going to hurt your numbers. Um, I also want to mention uh, that, uh, you know, the Green Bay defense, um, another low snap count. The Green Bay defense last week only played 41 snaps. So Devondre Campbell, who played every snap and looked really good, had a low snap count. And also, they just uh, you know they weren't running the ball much near Devondre Campbell. Um, I, I was able to watch every snap of that game, and I saw nothing from De- Devondre Campbell that made me remotely worry. Sometimes that happened. I think he ended up with like four tackles, very low number for him. Uh, but you know, these are things you know you just you have to wash these sorts of things off and and not have it worry you. You know, Roquan Roquan Smith is the anchor of the Bears' defense, no doubt about it. But he did get banged up in week two with a hip injury and has been hindered all week in practice. 
Now, meanwhile, Nick Morrow continues to impress as, as he took all 68 defensive snaps in week two, and he tied Smith for the team lead with 11 total tackles. Now, Morrow had seven solos, four assists, and a tackle for a loss. And if Smith is banged up and sees a, smli- a slight reduction in snaps and or is not 100% on the field, Morrow could be a, a, a boom type fantasy IDP for you in the in the next few weeks. Speaking of linebackers, speaking of uh, highly drafted linebackers, let's talk about what's going on with Micah Parsons. We already know that he could be used off the edge more. Um, in his first game of the, of the season, he only played 20 of his 60 snaps uh, as a, as you know, in the box as an orthodox linebacker. Well, last week uh, of his 58 snaps, Three were at linebacker. The rest were at edge. Micah Parsons, going forward until something changes, needs to be used and considered as an edge rusher, as an OLB, like an old school OLB. Unfortunately, he is not going to be able to, um, you know, be in position to post double digit tackles. I mean, five or six tackles would be a good number for him. Now, Every single week he's getting in the backfield. So, you know, Dallas knows what they're doing. Uh, the interesting thing part about that is that it actually does intro- reintroduce our old man, uh, uh, Leighton mm-hmm. Van Der Esch. He's, he's getting snaps now because somebody has to play that orthodox LB position. This may rotate every week. I mean, he may have – this may be that now all of a sudden Parsons is almost an exclusive edge or this could just be this, you know, last week, and then this week he he gets more snaps, uh, you know, a, a, as a box linebacker. But he's certainly far, far away from an every down uh, box linebacker in the mold of a Roquan Smith, which is what we were hoping that Parsons would become. Yeah, and, and the fact that they've done this and put him on the edge, he shifts now from being a tackle heavy, I you know favorite IDP to a more big play because he's got four sacks already in his first two games. And that means that there's a huge shift from being a tackle heavy scoring uh, IDP favorite to now a big play scoring uh, IDP favorite at linebacker. Um, That's something to definitely keep an eye on going forward. And if these big plays continue to be productive, then that shifts the fantasy value of Parsons and is bad for tackle heavy, good for big play. Now I'm going to stay at linebacker myself and I have a major red flag in Carolina. Carolina's Damian Wilson took nine snaps. That's just 12% of the snaps in, in week two. And Corey Littleton took only six. Now combined, they just combined for 15 total snaps. Now, while Frankie Louvu's who... Um, banged up his shoulder in this game, started, and he took 91% of the snaps and ended up with a career-best 10 total tackles, all of them solos, four to- uh, tackles for a loss and a, and a pass defended. Now, this was one tackle uh, for a loss shy of the franchise record for the Panthers. Now, granted, Luvu did hurt his shoulder, so that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. But there's a major shift here at linebacker, with Luvu all of a sudden becoming a valuable uh, fantasy option for uh, folks out there. And Damian Wilson and Corey Littleton are right now have very little to no fantasy value. I remember last week when I was talking about oh, yeah. how 
<laughs> about I know where you're going with this one. <laughs> I was like, listen, Aiden Hutchinson, he's yep. going to be great, but he's just a rookie, so it's probably going to take him a while to really get going. Boy, and, did you um, nail that one. <laughs> <laughs> he only finished with three sacks last week, so very only. disappointing out- outing for Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> He he left with cramps, and I thought, well, of course, of course, he's got cramps. That's what happens. Look, you can only celebrate so many sacks before those hammies start to tighten up on you, man. Uh, so uh, when he did leave for a quote unquote injury, but it was just cramping, so so you know nothing there. Now he got those three sacks on six pressures. Six pressures is good. I mean, you know, five to seven pressures, you know, usually ends up with somewhere around two-ish sacks. So, you know, we didn't get incredibly lucky. Uh, it looks like this was pretty legit. The only thing I want to add to it is Greg Cosell noted that although those those sacks were legit, they weren't necessarily one-on-one wins. They were more schemed across the defensive line to to get Hutchinson there. But Hey, listen, this is a very aggressive, a, de- a very aggressive defense. Defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn is going to attack and Hutchinson is a great fit here. Uh, but, he, but he, you know, <laughs> I'll still stand by what I said earlier, just like Trayvon Walker, Walker blew up the first game, you know, didn't do so much the second game. That's what we're going to see. I mean, granted, you you see that with every single uh, defensive end or uh, edge rusher. Uh, so all, all it does show us is that, uh, you know, we don't. We don't now think that uh, Hutchinson's going to be completely buried. We've seen that a lot with rookie linebackers. The other thing I love is that Hutchinson is playing in the 90-ish percent of snaps. So uh, Hutchinson is, is uh, if he can build on this, that'd be great. If he only does this this one week and then he kind of fades away a little bit, again, nothing to panic on. Uh, that might just be a little bit more of what we were expecting. But uh, definitely showed some massive upside there, which is great to see. You know, you bring up a very valid point that, especially with rookies uh, and even more so with edge rusher, rushers, when they do very well, teams take into account the following week. Opponents take into account and, and look for ways to stop these players, such as what happened to Walker this past week. But if the defense finds other ways to uh, keep giving, getting that production and pressure, then they're not going to focus on stopping Walker every week. So that's the same thing with Hutchinson. If the, if the lions can come up with a, another way to apply pressure and then open the door back up for Hutchinson, then he will have his up and down games uh, like you just mentioned. Now, you've been talking about another rookie um, lion, and that's Malcolm Rodriguez all summer, and for very good reason. Uh, the the rookie started this past week in week two. Now, while he didn't take as many snaps as Alex Anzalone, Anzalone took 67 total snaps at 91% to uh, Rodriguez's 54 snaps at 73%. Rodriguez did tie for the team league lead with eight total tackles. He had five solos, three assists, and a quarterback hit. So he took 13 less snapple, uh, snapples, took 13 less snaps than Anzalone, and yet he outproduced him. 
This Lions defense, man, this is uh, they are certainly rebuilding. They're certainly retooling. And I think players like Rodriguez and uh, Hutchinson are are absolutely in these guys plans. We just really want to see Alex Anzalone and take take a backseat here. <laughs> but yeah. um, the, I think the real issue here is Derek Barnes. Derek Barnes has basically been non-existent. Uh, so we were, you know, we were hoping it'd be a Rodriguez and Barnes uh, matchup. Right. Um, but. So far, not not the case. Um, I want to talk about um, Brandon Jones, safety Brandon Jones out of Miami. He had a great start to his season, had a great end to last season, is the clear starter there, strong safety role uh, with Javon Holland clearly playing the deep safety role in, in Miami. But we saw something that's very concerning, which was that about halfway through the game after, uh, you know, being uh, constantly roasted by Mark Andrews. He wouldn't be the first safety to have been roasted by Mark Andrews. They started subbing in uh, Eric Rowe, who was the starter last year. So if you had Brandon Jones and you wondered what happened, why I think he finished with four tackles, um, uh, which not bad, but you know, definitely not what you want. He got those four tackles very early on in the game. Uh, So what will happen this week? Are they going to, give it back to Roe? Was this a, Hey, listen, we got to get Jones off the field. He's getting, you know, spun around, uh, uh, you know, facing Mark Andrews, which is not an easy task for a younger player or how, you know, have they decided that they need to kind of split the safety role up just a little bit. This is something, you know, if you've got Brandon Jones, if it's all possible, put him on your bench, do not drop him yet. Cause it very well could have just been Mark Andrews related. Um, but, uh, definitely, you know, if you can put them on your bench, I, I'd like to see a, a, a one more full game to know what's going on here. And that's especially true when you consider the fact that the Dolphins uh, sat Eric Rowe and benched him last year and that they even considered letting him go in the offseason. So Rowe is not their obvious top choice, but with Jones performing so poorly in that game against Baltimore, they had to do something. So it's definitely worth keeping a stash on Brandon Jones, like you said. Um, The Raiders linebackers were outstanding in week two. Uh, Divine Diablo and Jayon Brown led the team with 15 and 12 total tackles, respectively. Now, Diablo took all 87 defensive snaps, while Brown only took 77% uh, of the snaps. Now, this is mainly because of the fact that Denzel Perryman was out this past week. Now, if he returns this week, which is not a guarantee, it'll likely cost Brown fantasy production and snap counts more than it will Diablo. So if Perryman does return and play, it'll be Brown who will see his numbers likely dip uh, in week three. But Diablo should still be the primary um, fantasy producer here for the Raiders. Here is your weekly Kamu Gruje Hill report, the KGH report, I call it. Uh, so for the second week in a row, uh, Gruje Hill has had a really tough game against the run. He has he has just been getting um, burnt. He's also been targeted quite a lot. I mean, he's really hurting across the board, uh, you know, for the Texans. Now, 
this presents both an opportunity and a problem. Remember that massive tackle game he had in week one? I had mentioned on this very podcast, and, and Thomas and I had a whole discussion about, about it, and we agreed that Gruje Hill is likely still going to be a good fantasy asset, but uh, he's not going to put up those kinds of numbers every week. Um, so the fact that he has had two weeks in a row where he has been a major reason the Texans defense has struggled, that's a big red flag. So here's the question. You know, is this going to cause him snaps? Is he going to be taken off the field? Or is, you know, he's still a, a young player. I mean, he's getting a lot more snaps this year than, you know, getting a lot more responsibilities. Or will he turn it around? I mean, Lord knows lots of, you know, players, you know, have a tough season, you know, have a tough start to their season. So does he turn it around? The question also is, uh, will this poor play of his continue to make Jonathan Owens and Jalen Petre fantasy relevant because what's happening is neither Kirksey nor KGH are really locking down anything in front in, in front. So uh, Jonathan Owens and Jalen Petre are just loading up on tackles. And that is a function of a, a poorly um, functioning defense. If they turn this around, we're going to see Owens and Petre's numbers uh, pull back a little bit, and those numbers will move up toward the the linebackers. So watching what happens here with, with Kamu Gugier-Hill is very important. As of now, uh, you know, he could easily still be a back-end LB1 or an LB2. Uh, we still feel feel like that he's going to be out there every snap. This is just some learning stuff. I think they think that he's part of their future. And if, and just like we've seen with players like uh, Patrick Queen, et cetera, sometimes you just have to you know go through these growing pains as you know as you are rebuilding, and it's clear that the Texans are rebuilding. So and, hopefully he stays out there. And and they they don't have a lot of depth behind these two right. guys. They have Jalen Reeves and Maven, and they have uh, former Jet Blake Cashman, and they have Garrett Wallow. Uh, they also have Jake Jake Hansen, and, and most people that were that are listening to this are like, who? Right. And, <laughs> and this is the problem, especially with with Kirksey. He he looked at times he looked okay in, in week two. And there were other times uh, there was a handful of plays. He looked bad. And one of those plays was getting when he got torched by a touchdown for, or uh, a tight end beat him for a 22 yard touchdown right over the middle. And he, he still took a hundred percent of the snaps and he posted half a sack. He had an INT, a quarterback hit and a PD to go along with five total tackles. But if he continually starts, it continues to look bad on, on um, more plays than the Texans want, they may make a change down the road. All right, let's move on to notable injuries. We already mentioned a, yeah. a few from from this game, and a few kind of sprinkled in there. There's a couple of pr- a pretty big ones, right, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, well, in Tampa Bay, the the Buccaneers lost defensive end Akeem Hicks, who signed with them this year from from Chicago. He suffered a torn plantar fasciitis and is out at least a month, if not more. So this is going to mean more snaps for rookie Logan Hall, and he'll see increased playing time. But don't expect Hall to see a ton load right up, right off the bat, and he may not be as productive a fantasy option as you would hope. So keep an eye on that going forward, though. The Rams lost cornerback Troy Hill. He suffered a groin injury, and and they placed him on injured reserve. Now, this means that David Long, who will move from probably the nickel cornerback spot to the right cornerback uh, starting position, 
um, it's to be seen whether or not Long does well at the on the outside, uh, where he usually does well as a nickel and in the slot. So it's it's one of those tentative situations you have to keep an eye on. There's a few other players that I, I want to mention really quickly, and and two of them are on the Buffalo Bills. You had mentioned that, hey, you know, don't um, overlook the or don't put too much. Uh, uh, emphasis on the bad Bills playing or fantasy production in week two because of the blowout. Well, Jordan Poyer and uh, Micah uh, Hyde, as well as Dane Jackson, all were injured in that game. Um, Dane Jackson had a, a neck injury and was carted off to the hospital. And Hyde injured his um, was injured as well, and he ended up going to the hospital after the game. Now, both Poyer and Hyde have yet to practice this week as of Thursday night. So that's something you're going to have to keep an eye on going into the weekend. And one big signing that you, you should keep an eye on is that the Ravens, because Stephen Means landed on injured reserve, I believe it was a torn Achilles, they are depleted at their edge rushing. They have Justin Houston and one other uh, – I think it's Owe is a, is another yeah. option that they have. Yes. Well, they signed uh, defensive end linebacker from the Bucks, um, former Buck, Jason Pierre-Paul, to add uh, depth to their edge rushing. Now, don't expect Paul to be very productive right out of the gate, but this is a significant signing. All right. Um, as we talk about some of these injuries, I wanted to bring up, uh, if you're a Fantasy Points subscriber, I want to make sure that you know that uh, we have what we call Game Hubs. Now, when I do my IDP weekend preview, which I'm going to work on tonight, we're, we're recording this on Thursday night, and I'll uh, finish it tomorrow uh, during the day. Um, and it'll drop sometime tomorrow. When I do my IDP weekend preview, I always, I drop a link into every game's game hub. And what you get on a game hub, you get the pace of play, you get the weather, and you get the injuries. And it, it, we have a very cool injury widget. Shows you not only whether the person's questionable or doubtful, but it shows you the weekly practice report, whether it's limited, no practice at all, you know, did not participate, full practice, et cetera. So it really helps you get a good sense because just when you see that, when you see someone is questionable, when you see Shaquille Leonard is questionable, it helps to see there's a big difference between somebody who's questionable but has yet to practice all week and somebody who's listed as questionable but but the last two days has had full practices. To see that will really help you all make some decisions. So make sure if you're on fantasypoints.com that either you look them up through our IDP weekend preview or you just go right to the website and look those game hubs up right uh you know you can find them they'll be on the on the front page all over the weekend. They're very important they they can really help you get a good understanding of how these matchups are going to go. All right, Thomas. Yo yo yo. Onward and upward plan. to week 3. Yes, here we go. All right. Wish everybody luck this week. Uh, if you are one of our Fantasy Points Premium subscribers and you have access to us through the Discord app, uh, remember to fire us off some questions and we'll be happy to start answering them going forward. So uh, hopefully next week we can start introducing some Discord questions. Until then, Thomas, take us out. Be well and be safe. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. 
and come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. 